right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Well, we know who Anonymous is. And um, even knowing who he is is pretty much anonymous. We'll get to that. Uh, We'll get to the big (laughs) tech hearing today. Lots to come out of there. Three people I'm going to focus on. Corey Gardner's questioning. Ted Cruz's entire questioning, which was fire. And a little bit of Mike Lee, who asked one of the better questions of the day. And let me give you a little spoiler on what the um, responses were. That's what they sounded like. So we'll get into that. Um, I've got some great clips today. Oh, I'll also get to Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. Crackpot alert. Uh, that's coming up. What he asked. He's not happy because, uh, in his opinion, we need more censorship. And that was the basis of his questioning. Which is really, sometimes you listen to these people and you just wonder. It's like Maisie Hirono. How can she be the best option? How can Markey be the best option out of Massachusetts? He can't be. (laughs) He he just, he can't, there's no way. I mean, his questioning today was just, woo. Uh, I've got some great videos. Morning Joe, Mika's upset about the Hunter Biden story. What else? Oh God, I didn't and see that. When you, when you She's see, always upset. When you see how she phrases her question, it's um, well, it's just pretty amusing. I've got the great one, Levin, on court packing and how. Stop thinking this is something new. It's not something new. Uh, I got a great clip from him. So we, we've got a bunch of stuff. We got a bunch of polls, but I want to start w- with what's going on in Pennsylvania and um, legal insurrection. I actually, I went and got the um, Supreme Court, the, the um, Gorsuch, Thomas, Alito opinion, but it's too far above my head to read it because I, I just, I don't operate with those big words. So, uh, but Legal Insurrection has an article about it that kind of summarizes what's going on in Pennsylvania. And of course, Pennsylvania obviously is going to be a very important state. And um, the Supreme Court, once again today, denied relief 4-4 in Pennsylvania on this late ballot case. Unbelievable. Um, of John course, Roberts at it again. Amy Coney Barrett was not on the court when they first took this up and was not uh, part of this decision. She did not participate. But John Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, once again Ugh. joins the liberals again in denying relief from Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruling allowing ballots, even without valid postmarks, to be counted if received three days after Election Day. But as the dissent notes, and the dissent was fantastic and very strong, um, the issue doesn't go away. If Pennsylvania makes the Electoral College difference, and if the vote is close and late ballots matter, Experts, um, legal mayhem as everyone awaits the Supreme Court decision challenging those ballots. And so um, just a little bit of this. Readers, readers of Legal Insurrection wondered whether Amy Coney Barrett joining the Supreme Court would end the 4-4 deadlock, with Chief Justice Roberts joining with the liberals, preventing the Supreme Court from reversing the Pennsylvania Supreme Court order that ballots without verifiable postmark could still be counted. I cautioned against optimism from the readers. Now that we have nine justices, can the 4-4 Roberts failure be reviewed? Uh, My answer at the time was yes. 
they filed on Friday asking for an uh, expedited ruling on merits. I wouldn't get your hopes up, though, however, given the timing. The courts just issued its order denying uh, consideration, effectively ending the effort since the election is just days away. Once again, Roberts voted with the liberals. Justice Barrett did not participate. The motion to uh, expedite consideration of the petition for a writ of certification is denied. Justice, Justice Barrett took no part in the consideration or decision of this motion. Alito, joined by Thomas and Gorsuch, issued the dissent, noting that it is better to have the issue resolved before the election, not after the election. It sets up a post-election challenge already in the Supreme Court to invalidate ballots received after the legislative deadline. And to give you a little bit of what they wrote, the court's handling of the important constitutional issue raised by this matter has needlessly created conditions that could lead to a serious post-election problem. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania has issued a decree that squarely alters an important statutory provision enacted by the Pennsylvania legislature pursuant to its authority under the Constitution of the United States to make rules governing the conduct of elections for federal office. In the face of Act 77's deadline, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, by a vote of four to three, decreed that mail-in ballots need not be received by Election Day. Apt to petition for Certificate 80A-81A, instead, it imposed a different rule. Ballots are to be treated as timely if they are postmarked on or before Election Day and are received within three days thereafter. In addition, the court ordered that a ballot with no postmark or illegible postmark must be regarded as timely if it is received by the same date. The court expressly acknowledged that the statutory provision mandating receipt by election day was unambiguous and that its um, abrogation of the rule was not based on an interpretation of the statute, meaning they changed the, they rewrote the law. Although there were four votes to enter a stay, the application failed by an equally divided vote. Now, in a last-ditch attempt to prevent the election in Pennsylvania from being conducted under a cloud, we have been asked to grant a petition um, for them to, you know, to hear the to hear the case, to expedite review, and to decide the constitutional question prior to the election. It would be highly desirable to issue a ruling on the constitutionality of the state Supreme Court's decision before the election. Although the Pennsylvania Supreme Court rejected petitioner's request for that relief, we have been informed by the Pennsylvania Attorney General that the Secretary of the Commonwealth issued guidance today directing county boards of elections to segregate ballots received between 8 p.m. on November 3rd, 2020 and 5 p.m. on November 6, 2020. Nothing in the court's order today precludes petitioners from applying for this court for, oh, this is the important part. Nothing in the court's order today precludes petitioner from applying to this court for relief if, for some reason, it is not satisfied with the secretary's guidance. So, in other words, if Pennsylvania makes the electoral college difference and if the vote is close and the late ballots matter, expect legal mayhem as everyone awaits then the Supreme Court decision. So why didn't Amy Coney Barrett participate? We don't know for sure, 
but it is likely that the court, having ruled once already on this on an emergency basis just days ago, she didn't want her joining the court to be the tiebreaker on a nearly identical issue. That doesn't mean she won't participate post-election or that she will refuse to participate in other election election issues. So that's the basis of it from legal insurrection today. And um, once again, John Roberts has become um, increasingly uh, partisan. I mean, we've heard the reports. You heard Ted Cruz say, I think John Roberts hates Donald Trump. And you start to wonder if this is getting... Um, well, I don't know. Personal? I, yeah, I don't personal. want to say personal. I guess personal, but it's just, it's, um, I mean, he just continues to become more and more political, it seems, nearing yeah. on political hack job. And, and what's amazing by allowing the uh, no postmark or illegible postmark, which is, you know, it's garbage. Um, basically, what they're saying is, okay, we might have a count, but we might see we're short. So let's start getting some of those without those postmarks so we can bump up our numbers. That's how this works. That's how election fraud works. They've done it before. We, how, how do you think they flipped seven red districts in California in the House in 2018? Late ballots. All, these, all, all those representatives were ahead, and all of them ended up losing. How does that happen? How about all the, how about all the states that have more than 100% you know, on the oh, voter yeah. rolls, it's like, <laughs> it's just nonstop. I mean, there's, I think, 2 million more people on the voter rolls or inactives in Pennsylvania and North Carolina alone. It's, it's Now, Paul's it, been it's complaining to me all day that he's trying to keep track of how many of these voter fraud issues he's seeing pop up in these articles. And you said you basically lost count at about 40 or 50. Yeah, I mean, I follow Tom Fitton, and he's been an absolute animal and a patriot on this. You know, I, am a, I follow Project Veritas, and I, and I just do a search all the time for you know, voter fraud, or, and, was, and it just keeps coming up. There was another one in Kentucky today. Another postman was just caught in, um, in Kentucky dumping you know, uh, Republican ballots. It's a, I mean, what are we, we talking about? This is a banana republic? We're a third world nation? I'm just, I'm beyond my, I just be, where the hell is the FBI? I mean, the Project Veritas video is not enough. What is the FBI just too busy? Now, it's funny you say that because I saw um, the governor of Texas, Abbott, saw that video because I believe that incident happened in Texas. And he yeah. actually, I believe someone could check this. Rick, you could check it if you're on Twitter. Governor uh, Abbott today, I think, tweeted that he had watched that video and turned it over to the proper authorities and that they were on it and if and if they were able to track this down or find out that any of this was true they'll they'll pursue it and um prosecute it to the fullest extent of the law i believe that came from the governor of texas today um and that i believe is a project veritas video as well it is yeah it, i i have it here from uh, greg abbott with the little blue check my office has contacted the texas attorney general's office about this video an investigation will determine if voter fraud has occurred if so it will be prosecuted voter fraud will not be tolerated in texas and then it has a link to the video from uh project veritas yeah so at least some people are on it. And I'm, I know, I'm sure the president's on it. He says they've got people everywhere. They're watching in Philadelphia. They're watching in Pennsylvania. Um, they've won a lot of some, some of these important cases. You have to say they've won so far on voter fraud, on other places trying to extend way past November 3rd. 
Uh, but this Pennsylvania thing is a big deal. But it's a it's a it's a big deal. Number one that it's happened. It's bad, and Roberts is just you know you can make your own decision. But it's also a big deal. This dissent today that He's Alito, crooked. Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, um, all put out. And if you read it, it's hard to read because it's just I'm not an attorney, obviously, <laughs> duh. And uh, it's hard to understand, but um, the parts I could understand, it was pretty strong by saying this is not going to go away. And if need be, and God, we hope doesn't happen where we get into a Florida 2000 situation on steroids this year. And I don't know. Paul keeps telling Paul's depressed today because he was spending a lot of time around me. <laughs> so I can't blame him. Yeah, I walked in and there was like a somebody a, die. A, yes. A, a, you know, tropical depression in the studio. But um, well, Damon hit me over the head with a with a polling bomb. Oh, the polls don't he hit watch me over the head polls. with a poll. No, it wasn't a poll. It was an opinion laying out the numbers of where. Well, I'll read it to you. So oh. we'll, we'll, we'll go oh, over boy. it. Leon Wolf from the Blaze. Oh. I thought I thought he laid it out pretty good. So. <laughs> I'll bring Shut it to up, you. And you <laughs> it's me to depressed. And now I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> yeah. Live Great from Studio depressed. 6B, just getting started on a Wednesday. Six days to save the country. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday. Just getting started. Lots to do. Paul Nolan's got some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Amorati's going to have some sports. Geo Fran holding it down. 17 past the hour. We talked in the first segment about what's going on in Pennsylvania in the Supreme Court. And Chief Justice John Roberts once again siding with the liberals on the court. Amy Coney Barrett did not participate because she wasn't on the court when this whole thing started. And it probably makes sense that she doesn't want to inject herself today. But this will probably be the last time she doesn't inject herself into this. So um, lots to do. So the tech giants were on Capitol Hill um, through their computers today, which always makes it a little more awkward to listen to and to question. And I think you actually can see which one of these lion skunks is lying the worst in person. But Jack Dorsey did his best today to try to prove how much he was lying. Uh, so just a couple things. Let's we'll go with some of the shorter ones because we don't have time for Cruz in this segment. Because Cruz is worth watching the whole thing because he was fantastic. But let's go, Mike Lee. Mike Lee asked one of the best questions I thought of the three of them, and uh, here's how that went. Uh, Twenty-two. G. Roll it. Can you name for me one high-profile person or entity from a liberal ideology who you have censored, and, and what particular action you took? Uh, Senator, I can get you a, a, a list of some more of this, but there are certainly many examples that your, your Democratic colleagues 
um, object to when when um, you know fact checker might label something as false that they disagree with or um, they're yeah. not able yeah, to, I, to. I get that. I, I get that. I just want to be clear. I, I'm just asking you if you can name for me uh, uh, one high-profile liberal person or company who you've censored. I understand that the, the, uh, you're saying that there are complaints on both sides, but I just I just want one name of one person or one entity. Um, Senator, I need to I need to think about it and and and, and get you more of a list. But but there are certainly many many issues on both sides of the aisle where people think we are we are making content moderation decisions that they disagree with. Just hold it for a second. I, I got that now you see what they keep doing. They keep talking about the actual content, and that's not what Mike Lee's asking them. Mike right. Lee's asking them name the entity, the person, the human that you've done this to. Not oh well, we've seen um, you know Elizabeth Warren's put content that we don't. No, no. Name one liberal person that you've censored, not over the content that they've that you've censored, like you did the New York Post, like you have conservative voices over and over and over again. They keep talking about the content, not the person. Go ahead. Everybody on this call could uh, agree that they could identify at least um, uh, five, maybe 10, maybe more high profile conservative exam uh, examples. Uh, what about you, Mr. Dorsey? Well, we, we can um, give a more exhaustive list, um, but again, we don't have an understanding of political ideology yeah, not, of our accounts. But I'm not asking I've, for an exhaustive list. I'm asking for a single example, one, just one individual, one entity, anyone. We, we've we've taken action on tweets from members of the House for election misinfo. Mm -mm. Can you identify any example? A name. name. Yes, with two two Democratic um, no nope, one two, name two Democratic uh, Congress people on election misinfo. I'll I'll get those those names too. Yeah. <laughs> great, great, Mr. Bikai, how about you? Um, Senator, I'll give specific examples, but uh, let me step back. We don't censor. We have uh, moderation policies, which we apply uh, equally. To give you an example, yeah, well, I, I, I get that. I, I use the word censor as a term of art there, and I define that term. I, and, and I don't, well, again, I'm not asking for a comprehensive list. I, I want a name. We have, we have uh, you know, turned down ads from Priorities USA, from Vice President Biden's campaign. We have had uh, compliance issues with World Socialist uh, review, which is a, a left-leaning publication. Well, I, we can give you several examples, but for example, when we have a graphic content policy, we don't allow for ads which show graphic violent content in those ads. And we have taken down ads on both sides of the campaign, and I gave you a couple of examples. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that was Mike Lee, and which I thought was maybe the best question of the day. Yeah. Now he, for the... Go ahead. He really just put it to them. Give me a name. Just give me a name. It right. should be very. It should be at the top. Of, you know, if, if it's somebody so big that everybody would know, and be like, well, you know, Hillary Clinton one time. Yeah. How about oh, that? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Because Perfect. think of the backlash they would have gotten from every liberal from every angle if they had done if they had if they had legitimately censored anyone on the left like they've censored conservatives on the right. The the the, the flack they would have gotten that they would have been able to name it in three seconds who it was because they would have never forgotten the heat they got. Right. And the public shaming they would have taken from the left if they had done that. So to think that they couldn't name one. Oh, yeah, we got to get you a list. Give me a list. <laughs> you can't name one person. Right. And that's why, because there isn't one. So here's the worst. That was the best question of the day. Here's the worst. Senator Ed Markey with uh, Zuckerberg, 24. Listen to this guy. Roll it. Mr. Zuckerberg, if President Trump shares Russian or Iranian disinformation uh, lying about the outcome of the election, 
and you commit that you will make sure your algorithms do not amplify that content and that you will immediately take that content down. Senator, we have a policy in place that prevents any candidate or campaign um, from prematurely declaring victory or uh, trying to delegitimize the result of the election. Yes, what so we will screwed. do in that case is we will append some um, factual information to any post that is trying to do that. Um, so if someone says that they won the election when the result isn't in, for example, um, we will append a piece of information to that saying that official election results are not in yet. Um, so that way, anyone who sees that post um, will see that context in line. And also, if one of the candidates uh, tries to prematurely declare victory or, or cite an incorrect result, um, we have a precaution that we've built in to put at the top of the Facebook app for everyone who signs in in the U.S. Um, information about the accurate uh, U.S. election voting results. I think that this is a very important um, issue to make sure that, that people can get accurate information about the results of the election. Yeah, it, it cannot be uh, stated as being uh, anything less than critically important. Democracy could be seriously challenged beginning next Tuesday evening and for several days afterwards, maybe longer. And a lot of responsibility is going to be on the shoulders of Facebook and our other witnesses today. Good God. Mr. Zuckerberg, if President Trump uses his Facebook account to call for armed private citizens to patrol the polls on election day, oh which would constitute illegal, Ill illegal voter intimidation in violation of the Voting Rights Act, will you commit that your algorithms will not spread that content and that you will immediately take that content down? Senator, my understanding is that content like what you're saying would violate our voter suppression policies and um, and, and would come down. Okay. So there you go. Ed Markey, who's um, about one step to the left of uh, AOC. I mean, that's, I mean, think about that questioning. We, can we, hey, can we make sure we, can we get your word that we're going to censor more? Right. Yeah. Because we're not exactly. doing enough. Meanwhile, he, he probably won't have a word to say about the Black Panthers uh, patrolling Philadelphia uh, election sites. No, why would he? Why would he? He probably thinks it's just a myth. It doesn't exist. I've seen it firsthand. It does exist. This is the kind of crap that these guys that have been sitting there, look how old he is too, Ed Markey. That guy is already in the grave. I think they just dug him up and put him on TV just for tonight just to say something, anything, because it's unbelievable that they think they can, they can you know, kind of get away with this garbage, this nonsense. It just shows you, by the way, his questioning that uh, Facebook ha has an algorithm for everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, if, if this happens, all well, our algorithm will, if this happens, well, our algorithm, I mean, they've got an algorithm for everything. People, you guys, they have no idea the power of the artificial intelligence. No idea the power. Oh, shoot, we're almost done. Live from Studio <laughs> 6B. <laughs> Can't get a word in tonight. <laughs> 26 past the hour. Paul will be doing the whole next segment by himself. <laughs> News coming up. <laughs> <laughs> The American people, when they turn on the news, 
They want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. All right, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour. Glad you're in on a Wednesday night. Lots to do. Um, see if we can get Paul out of his depression about the um, about the uh, election. It's not a depression. It's My more fault. of a, it's more of a rage. Yes, it's a rage. Exactly. So, um, well, yeah. let's do Ted Cruz. I was going to get into this anonymous story. This little weasel, Miles, whatever his name is. Uh, just go revisit that. But let's not do that. You don't want me to flip a desk? Let's do Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't Ted. To, uh, Ted. I don't want Paul to flip the desk here. Let's do Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz was fire and he brought it right to. Um, Jack Dorsey today. So here's Ted Cruz from today's hearing. Uh, roll that, G. Chairman, I want to thank you, Mr. Chairman, for holding this hearing. <laughs> the three witnesses we have before this committee Giving today me the chance to collectively pose, I believe, the single greatest threat to free speech in America yeah. and the greatest threat we have to free and fair elections. Yesterday, I spent a considerable amount of time speaking with both Mr. Zuckerberg and Mr. Pichai. I have concerns about the behavior of both of their companies. I would note that Facebook is at the minimum at least trying to make some efforts in the direction of defending free speech. I appreciate their doing so. Google, I agree with the concerns that Senator Klobuchar raised. I think Google has more power than any company on the face of the planet. And the antitrust concerns are real. The impact of Google is profound. And I expect we will have continued and ongoing discussions about Google's abuse of that power and its willingness to manipulate search outcomes to influence and change election results. But today, I want to focus my questioning on Mr. Dorsey and on Twitter. Because of the three players before us, I think Twitter's conduct has by far been the most egregious. Mr. Dorsey, does Twitter have the ability to influence elections? No. You don't believe Twitter has any ability to influence elections? No, we are one part of a spectrum of communication channels that people have. So you're testifying to this committee right now that, that, that Twitter, when it silences people, when it censors people, when it blocks political speech, that has no impact on elections? People people have choice of other communication channels with which... Not if, not if they don't hear information. If you don't think you have the power to influence elections, why do you block anything? Uh, well, we have policies that are focused on making sure that more voices on the platform are possible. We see a lot of abuse and harassment, which ends up silencing people and having them leave from the platform. All right, Mr. Dorsey, I find your opening questions, your opening answers absurd on their face. But let's talk about the last two <laughs> weeks in particular. As you know, I have long been concerned about Twitter's pattern of censoring and silencing individual Americans with whom Twitter disagrees. But two weeks ago, Twitter and to a lesser extent Facebook crossed a threshold that is fundamental in our country. Two weeks ago, Twitter made the unilateral decision 
to censor the New York Post in a series of two blockbuster articles, both alleging evidence of corruption against Joe Biden, the first concerning Ukraine, the second concerning communist China. And Twitter made the decision, number one, to prevent users, any user, from sharing those stories. And number two, you went even further and blocked the New York Post from sharing on Twitter its own reporting. Why did Twitter make the decision to censor the New York Post? Uh, we had a hack materials policy. Um, that we when was that policy adopted? Uh, in 2018, I believe. In 2018, go ahead. What was what, what was the policy? So the policy is around um, limiting the spread of materials uh, that are hacked. Um, we didn't want Twitter to be a distributor for hack materials. All right, now hold it, Chief. Um, we found. Have you, has anyone throughout the story of Hunter Biden ever heard that any of this was hacked? No. Nope. Nope. This was a laptop no. that was turned in to be repaired that signed off on a waiver that says after 90 days, we own it. After 90 days, the owner went through it and the rest of it is history. Where does Jack Dorsey go with this? Where, where is he coming up with other than just lying that we didn't want to be part of hacked material? Never, no part of this story, even from that weasel Adam Schiff has ever, any, ever talked about anything being hacked. That's the question that should have been asked next. Yeah, right Where's there. that question? That's the question. Okay, go ahead. Let's finish this. That the New York Post, because it showed the direct materials, screenshots of the direct materials, and it was unclear how those were attained, that it felt that it fell under this policy. Okay, stop. Now, but it's never been unclear how they were obtained. It's never been unclear, at least to me, and I'm sure to most of you watching, it's never been unclear how this was obtained. Everybody has known this laptop and how it was obtained. Yeah, there, there's so, even a paper trail. There's a paper trail. He signed off. We have receipts. We have receipts from the from the from the guy who uh, the repair shop. So this whole line of answers, quite frankly, I'm Cruz didn't exactly follow up with this. Um, I don't believe. I only watched this once. This is the second time I'm seeing it. But I don't think he followed up with any of this hacked material. Now he does tie it into the president's tax returns coming up, which I thought was good, but. This guy is so far off on his explanation that it was hacked, number one, that it was uh, they weren't sure where it came from. Number two, we knew all that all, all along where it came from, and it wasn't hacked. Go ahead. So in your view, if it's unclear the source of, uh, of a document, and in this instance, the New York Post documented what it said the source was, which it said it was a, uh, a laptop owned by Hunter Biden that had been turned into a re re repair store. So they weren't hiding what they claimed to be the source. Is it, is it your position that Twitter, when you can't tell the source, blocks blocks press stories? No, not at all. Um, we our, our team made a fast decision. Uh, the enforcement action, however, of blocking URLs, both in tweets and uh, in DM, in direct messages, we believe was incorrect. And we changed it. Today, right now, the New York Post is still blocked from tweeting two weeks later. Yes, they have to log into their account, which they can do at this minute, delete the original tweet, which fell under our original enforcement actions, and they can tweet the exact same material from the exact same article, and it would go through. Okay, now so stop Mr. Dorsey, now, This is the part that I was just shook, shook my head in disbelief at this answer. Maybe it's just me. This guy is saying, oh, yeah. Because they tweeted that article when it fell under what we thought was, as he just laid out, all this 
hacked and it fell under the policy. So we, they have to go in, actually delete it, and then repost the same thing. We can't just free up the account and then let's go from here. They're going to make them log in, delete it, because technically it was tweeted during the time where they're saying it fell under this policy. They broke right. policy. Right. But now they could log in, but they have to delete that to get rid of that. Right. And then if they want to tweet it again, oh, it'll go through. Right. Does that make any sense to Wait anybody? No. Let me get this no. straight. They have algorithms that can like predict exactly what food I want to eat tomorrow. They have algorithms that can predict everything that under the sun, but they can't add the post back on their platform. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's a lie. It doesn't stop. The New York no. Post has to log into their account and delete it for the post for the account to be accessible again. Power play. Yeah, that that that's what it sounds like. In other words, it sounds like there's something in there. I don't know how that that coding stuff works. I'm just a caveman. I don't freaking get it. Um, but from what I from what it sounds like, there's something in that in that tweet. That is that is now locked. It, it's considered locked, I guess, right? Yeah. And they can't use it now because that's sitting there with that block in it. Right. What they're saying is, you have to go in and get rid of that. That'll undo the block that we created, even though they created the block. Right. Um, yeah, which makes no sense because then it's like, well, why do they have to retweet it? Why can't they just let the original tweet stand there? There's something else going right, on and she's so not explaining ridiculous. it. Yep. Go ahead, G. Your ability is you have the power to force a media outlet. And let's be clear. The New York Post isn't just some random guy tweeting. The New York Post has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. The New York Post is over 200 years old. The New York Post was founded by Alexander Hamilton. And your position is that, that you can sit in Silicon Valley and demand of the media that you can tell them what stories they can publish and you can tell the American people what reporting they can hear. Is that right? No, uh, this was, this was a, you know, every person, every account, uh, every uh, organization that signs up to Twitter agrees to a terms of service, uh, terms of service. Is so public. media outlets must genuflect and obey your dictates if they wish to be able to communicate with readers. Is that right? No, not at all. We, you know, we, we recognize an error in this policy and specifically the enforcement. You're still blocking their posts. You're still blocking their posts. Right now, today, you're blocking their posts. We're not blocking the post. Anyone can tweet. Can the New York Post uh, post on their, on their Twitter account? If they go into their account. No, is your answer to that. No, unless they and agree with your dictates. Let me ask you something. You, You claimed it was because of a hacked materials. Uh, policy. I find that facially uh, highly dubious and clearly employed in, in in a deeply partial way. Did Twitter block the distribution of the New York Times story a few weeks ago that purported to be based on copies of President Trump's tax returns? We didn't find that a violation of our terms of service and this policy in particular because it was reporting about the material. It wasn't distributing the material. Okay, well, that's actually not true. They, they posted what they purported to be original source materials, and federal law, federal statute makes it a crime, Bingo. a federal felony, 
to distribute someone's tax returns against their knowledge. So that material was based on something that was distributed in violation of federal law, and yet Twitter gleefully allowed people to circulate that. But when the article was critical of Joe Biden, Twitter engaged in rampant uh, censorship and silencing. And again, we recognized errors in that policy. We, we changed it within 24 hours. This is, this but is you're still blocking the New York Post. You haven't changed it. We have changed it. They can log into their account, delete the original tweet. Uh, that was you forced the Politico reporter to take down his post about the New York Post as well. Is that correct? Within that 24-hour period, yes. But we, you know, as the policy has changed, anyone can tweet so the So Twitter takes the view. You can censor the New York Post. You can censor Politico. Presumably, you can censor the New York Times or any other media outlet. Mr. Dorsey... Who the hell elected you and put you in charge of what the media are allowed to report and what the American people are allowed to hear? And why do you persist in behaving as a Democratic super PAC, silencing views to the contrary of your political beliefs? Let, let's give uh, Mr. Dorsey uh, uh, yeah, a few seconds to, to answer that, and uh, then we'll have to <laughs> give him a couple aspirin, <laughs> too. Oh, <laughs> let's, let's give him a chance to consult well, his we're, lawyers. We're not doing that. Uh, and this is why I opened um, this hearing with calls for more transparency. We realize oh, oh. we need to wow. earn trust more. Refreshing. We realize that more accountability is needed to show our intentions and to show the outcomes. Thank you, um, Senator. So I, I hear the concerns and acknowledge them, but we want to we fix it with more transparency. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, that was Ted Cruz today. Wow. That's about as good as it gets. Nice. From a superb prosecutor. He was lying. All right, a lot more to do. We're back. Social media, stay with us. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. All right, live from Studio 6B, 13 till the hour. Paul's going to do some news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to do sports. So Tony Bobolinsky and Tucker last night drew almost 7.6 million viewers. Wow. So we know at least 7.6 million of you know about this story. <laughs> <laughs> Past that, well, the, mo- the rest of the mainstream media still doesn't want, to, uh, doesn't want to touch it. And as a matter of fact, before we get to sports, let's just play this. This is just is too good. Cut 26, G. Here's Mika Brzezinski questioning some polling on the Hunter Biden and how many people know it. Now, listen to this question. Roll it. Jake Sherman, you have some polling on the Republican attacks on Hunter Biden. Um, <laughs> how are they shaping Stop up? It. Are they sticking? <laughs> the, the Republican attacks on Hunter Biden. That's oh, what this boy. is. That's, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. That's the title of this story, according to Mika Brzezinski. The Republican attacks oh, that poor on Hunter thing. Biden. Not the, even not even the Hunter Biden story. Oh. Not even the a Republican attacks right. on Hunter Biden. Gee, start that over one more time. Roll it. 
Jake Sherman, you have some polling on the Republican attacks on Hunter Biden. Um, how are they shaping up? Are they sticking? They are. We're actually seeing an unusual, uh, somewhat unusual level of uh, breakthrough on this story. Our poll shows, the Politico Morning Console poll shows this morning that 50% of people have heard a lot or some uh, of the uh, of this story. And that is, and it does say that 51% heard not much or nothing at all. But to put this in context, this is a story that's by and large lived in the right wing media scape. It is not broken through to a large degree to the front page of the New York Times or Washington Post or Wall Street Journal, um, but has kind of remained in that universe. So I I would say that it does seem a bit high, not that the polling's wrong, I believe the polling, it seems unusually high for a story that's kind of existed in one ideological sphere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we're admitting right here that none of us have covered it, and we can't believe it's people right. actually people actually know about it from right wingers. You know, that's unbelievable. Yeah, the Republican yeah. attacks on Hunter Biden—that's what it's pretty much divulged to at this point. Yeah, so fifty percent are on one side of it, fifty-one percent on the other. So there you go, hundred percent. Did you see the uh, the other poll underneath? Americans see Russia as a uh, as the number one enemy, fifty-one percent. 38% at Iran, not anything on China. Well, it's no well, surprise there. They probably didn't even ask about China. Uh, vice versa. Yeah. Either way. Oh, um, all right, let's do some sports here. We'll get back to this. Uh, here with that is Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? All right, BD. I don't know how I even follow such journalistic malpractice, but I'll give it a shot. Um, NASCAR news. Finally, after two cancellations, they got the race in today, and Kyle Busch was the big winner of the NASCAR Cup Playoff Series at the Texas Speedway. Great race. Martin Truex, Kyle Busch came down to the end, and Kyle pulled it out. So congratulations to him as the playoffs move along. In NASCAR, uh, we have some uh, NCAAF college football breaking news. Wisconsin has canceled the football game versus Nebraska after a COVID-19 outbreak. This Saturday's game will be canceled and not be rescheduled. Um, not only were there six players and six staffers that were affected, also head coach Paul Chris was uh, uh, came down and tested positive with COVID-19. Uh, Wisconsin is next scheduled to play host Purdue on November 7th. And in order to qualify for the playoffs, because right now the badges are sitting at number nine, they will have to play at least six games. So that's not in danger as of now. Um, and hopefully they'll get that game going on the 7th. But for now, as per NCAAF rules, there's not going to be a Wisconsin game this weekend with Nebraska. Um, and the World Series and 2020 Major League Baseball season came to a close last night as the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series for the first time since 1988. Um, they won 3-1. to one. Uh, uh, They had a two-run sixth inning, and then uh, Mookie Betts cleaned, cleaned it up in the eighth inning with a solo shot to give them the Dodgers a win over Tampa 4-2. to two, And... Uh, Three to one was the game, and four to two was the series. And the MVP went to shortstop Corey Seager. Uh, Seager is the eighth player in Major League Baseball history to win both the League Championship Series and the World Series MVP. Uh, this was done for the Dodgers. So, congratulations. Uh, Los Angeles is having a pretty good sports year so far. Um, and uh, late Major League Baseball is condemning LA Dodgers' Justin Turner as they launch a probe into his COVID 19 defiance. Um, the infielder was pulled out of the game last night in the eighth inning because it was deemed that he had tested positive for COVID-19 and uh, he decided to go back out after they won the championship to celebrate with his teammates. He was warned by security. However, they bypassed security and now they're looking into a full investigation, possibly a suspension and a large fine. Uh, Unbelievable. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll keep an eye. Uh, But of course, you know, something good has got to always be, you know, overshadowed by COVID. And, um, 
from Bleacher Report. I got a, this. This was in today. Uh, a daily fantasy player missed out on a one million dollar prize after post game stat correction. Uh, Rob Hunts, a forty one year old insurance agent from St. Louis, was in a uh, DraftKings contest on uh, Monday evening, and uh, in, with the game between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams, um, he had a lineup that features the Bears defense and one of the top scoring players for the night. At the end of the game, Hunts checked DraftKings to find that his lineup had scored 92.79 points, the highest score of the night, which would have entitled him to a $1 million prize. So he took his dog for a walk, and when he came back in, he found out that he was relegated down to sixth place because they reviewed the stat right at the end of the game, and they found that uh, Akeem Hicks uh, caught up with uh, the quarterback in the backfield, uh, Jared Goff, and tackled him for a three-yard loss, and it was actually deemed a quarterback run instead of a sack, and... He ended up uh, winning $3,078.94. So there you go. DraftKings, a lot of fun. Uh, his quote was, that's it was heartbreaking no on many levels. <laughs> Quite a story. So, Oh, that's no good. Imagine that. Imagine that. Stack correction. Uh, quarterback run. It was initially I, uh, ruled as a sack. Another, I feel like I could li- I've lived that. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's and uh, that's a wrap for the first segment of Sports Big D. All right, thanks, Rick. Live from Studio 6B, more to do. Uh, Paul, we can do a little news here. We've got a couple quick stories. What's going on in the news? I got a, I got a good little quick hitter. Ed uh, Buzz Aldrin, he's back in the Republican Senate, Martha McSally in her tough uh, re-election bid in Arizona. Yeah. You know, he was the second man on the moon, and, uh, you know, he really likes it. She, and, uh, you know, he said something to the effect of uh, Martha, check six, Mark, Buzz, over a 1,000, over 100 jet hours in Arizona. Did he talk back to... That when uh, you know um, pilots would say twelve o'clock is straight ahead and six o'clock is behind. Fighter pilots understand what check six means, and uh, I thought it was cool. This guy's still a complete badass at uh, ninety years old. So yeah, and he's taking the phenomenal um, shape. He's taking the pilot over the astronaut. Of course, she's running against Mark Kelly, yeah, uh, who who's also the astronaut. So Buzz said, no, 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 I'm going with uh, I'm going with Martha here, and that race is. I believe she was behind big time in that race at one point. And I believe he's had some issues come up like, um, oh, I don't know, dressing like Hitler, I think, in his yearbook that they found, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm correct. Yeah. And some issues that uh, I believe now she's taking the lead there. Yeah. But I don't think by huge numbers. I think it's still pretty tight. I think also some business dealings they uncovered with China. President was in Arizona, I believe, today for some, uh, I think he did three more rallies today. I saw a picture of one of them. The crowd was... Enormous. Enormous. Enormous is, is an understatement. It was incredible. You know... But you guys are depressed. No, well, there's another little quick hit. This will, this will cheer you up, Rick. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, New York City, seven people fell victim to gun violence in New York City Saturday and Sunday, <laughs> according to cops. So the death toll keeps rising. There's a, there's a positive one for you, big guy. Yeah, the, the the mayor there. Maybe maybe he could spend some time less spe- uh, time targeting um, the Jewish community. Unbelievable uh, in New York City between him and the governor, and maybe spend some time rethinking uh, taking police off the streets as crime is just through the roof. It's crazy in all of these places. But no, he's more worried about the Hasidic Jews in the city and whether they've got five, six, seven, or ten people in a house as he's sending the cops out to. Uh, basically going to people's homes. All right, live from Studio 6B. Hour 2 is coming up. Lots more to do. Glad you're in on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice. We're back right after this.
All right, live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night, Real America's Voice. Paul Nolan's going to have the news. Rick Delgado's here. Rick Emirati's going to have sports. Glad you're in. So Paul's been depressed all day because of no, me. No, 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 no. Not and, depressed all day. Okay. Pissed off is okay. a difference. Right. All right. He's, he's pissed off. So, so here's, what's, here's what some of it's due to. So I read this today, and I just said to him, I think this is pretty well thought through. I didn't say it's, it's a foregone conclusion. I just said I thought this laid it out pretty well. So this is from Leon Wolf, who's the managing editor over at The Blaze TV, of course, Scott uh, Levin and a bunch of other people over there. So he said this. He said, six days prior to the 2016 election, the real clear politics average showed uh, Hillary Clinton nursing a lead that had shrunk to 1.9 points, really quite close to the final total, which was Hillary uh, plus 2.1 in the, in the overall popular vote. Right now, today, same time four years later, it shows Joe Biden with a plus seven and a half lead. Also, there are indications that a much larger portion of the public has already voted, which means that even if there's more earth-shattering events of some sort in these last six days, it will likely be uh, too late to help President Trump. Right now, in the absence of a total failure of polling, it is difficult to see Trump winning. And no, there was not a total failure of polling in 2016. The Real Clear Politics final, Clinton plus three, uh, point three was as close to the actual result Clinton plus 2.1 as it ever is it would constitute a um, a bad miss by the polls if the final vote margin turns out to be Biden plus five while it's possible for all the dominoes to fall the right way as they did in 2016 for a candidate who loses the popular vote by two it's nearly impossible for one who loses it by five I mean, it's beyond nearly impossible. It's actually hard to imagine such a thing happening in the universe we currently know. But after what's happened so far and what happened in 2016, we shouldn't rule it out. Uh, Trump does not have a path to win the popular vote as he will not offset California or New York, but he still has a path to win Ohio, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Florida, which is really all he needs. Will that happen? I give it a 25% chance. Um, and then he sa- he also said there's one missing here. He said something about if the middle country, if the mi- uh, there's just here he goes. He if says the there's West not a point, right. There's just not a feasible way that that can happen. If the whole country has moved away from Trump by three extra points, then the Midwest has moved away from him by at least one, which makes him lose all the states that he won. Maybe besides Ohio. Um, of course, my favorite scenario is a plus five point win. Pelosi keeps the house, but the delegations are tied. Then there's a 269-269 electoral college tie. The vice president in this scenario is picked by the Senate, which is also tied. And Pence breaks it by becoming acting president on January 21st. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, again, I didn't, I'm, I'm not here to say that that's what's going to happen or that the president's in that much trouble. I just thought that's as well thought through looking at the reality of um, shut up of the polling and the numbers and the road that any Republican running for president has to shut, travel. Shut your mouth. I just think that's shut it. as good as I heard. <laughs> so now to make Paul feel a little better, let's like, go to the Trafalgar. He's like Jill Biden. Shut, Traf- your, just shut it. 
Trafalgar's the um, the one poll that obviously has been unlike all the other ones. So I, I grabbed a couple things today. So here's the national poll one, G, if you have that. Uh, that's not, I don't think that, is that poll one? The national? Okay, yes, it is. I'm sorry. So right there, uh, Donald oh. Trump. Um, I can't see. I think it's 48-47 in the national. Okay, so 48-47. But here's what I want you to look at. Look at the uh, breaking down by race. Look at African-American votes right now. 67 Biden, 30% for President Trump. If he gets 30% it's of the African-American vote, that is something that can't be calculated in any poll. Mm-hmm. None of them are thinking about 30%. So that's one. And that's, by the way, 1,500 U.S. likely voters, October 25th through the 27th. Um, let's go poll two. Trafalgar in North Carolina. Uh, Tillis, 48.6. Cunningham, 46.8. So now Tom Tillis is taking the lead here. And this is interesting because Cunningham is obviously had some problems with his personal issues. And up until this is last one, Cunningham wasn't taking any, um, wasn't losing any ground in this race. Was it a 10% lead he had? Didn't he have a 10% Cunningham lead? has been up. And it's been, then it got tight after that, but he's still. So this is the first one I've seen Tillis up now, uh, almost two points. So uh, let's go Pennsylvania. Trump, 48, Biden, 47 in Pennsylvania, according to the Trafalgar Group as of this morning. So again, that's good for the president, but we've told you what's going on in Pennsylvania. So again, we're going to have to watch that. And then finally, Wisconsin, uh, right now, 47, uh, 547 one. So almost a statistical dead heat right now in Wisconsin. And Wisconsin is where I told you that the Democrats have, have the Republicans have taken over as far as the early balloting returned. They actually have had more of a percentage returned in Wisconsin than there. Um, where was that before you <laughs> son of a gun okay so paul's feeling a little better look at all the oh people here. this is why this job finished. is great the, the social media people are so good i i'm reading all this i want to say i thank you guys i love you very much i buy the drinks if you were here um I'm the house all right so a couple other things here um let's get to levin because this is a great clip and this is on doesn't necessarily have to do with pennsylvania uh but when you think about the courts and the supreme court and this whole idea of court packing if Biden wins, and that it's not this is not a new issue. And he does a good job of explaining it here. Gee, if you have that, roll it. Almost exactly a year ago. Here's a headline from the Washington Examiner. The Supreme Court must resist the Democrats' shameful court packing intimidation. So they're using now the appointment of Justice Barrett as an excuse because there was no nomination of a Justice Barrett a year ago. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Democrat Rhode Island, and four of his Democratic colleagues threatened the Supreme Court with restructuring. If it doesn't heal itself, basically they're flirting with court packing, it's written here. And some have suggested, for example, increasing the number of justices on the Supreme Court, rotating justices off and on. Now you hear Biden repeat this. Or, or, and so forth. So this is, this is something that has been a, on the wish list of the Democrats and the radicals for some time. Has absolutely nothing to do with Justice Barrett. When they say, now everything's on the table, now everything's on the table. Folks, everything was on the table. Everything was on the table. 
They were always planning to pack the court. It literally had nothing to do with Justice Barrett. Mm. They were always looking to change freedom of speech. They were always looking to undermine religious liberty. They are always looking to eviscerate the Second Amendment. As I've been saying today and have been saying throughout my career on radio, this is about the Democrat Party empowering itself. The Constitution is in the way. It's an obstacle. The Bill of Rights especially. Unless, of course, you're one of their constituents, perhaps a mass murderer or whatever. Then they want to make sure that you're, you have a lawyer, you're protected, and can vote, even from prison. Ask Bernie Sanders. That's what he said. Well, there's the, uh, the great one on this court packing issue that it's not an issue, not a new issue. It's a big issue, but not a new one. It's uh, what they wanted to do. And, of course, this is the thing about this election. They're not making any secrets about what they want to do. No. They're going to pack the court. They want to get rid of the filibuster. They want to add more states. They want to add more senators. They want to change the way we vote. They want to get rid of the Electoral College. They want to take over the court system. They want to blur the line between citizen and non-citizen. And if they win all three, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, in two years, they will be able to ram through every single radical left idea they have. And the constitutional republic that we have always lived under is gone. Until we fight back. They're picking a fight and war sells. It's going to be great for the media. And that's what's on the line. And they're, and they're making no bones about it. I mean, it's right in your face. Read the 110-page manifesto. Communist. Listen to AOC every time she's caught by uh, one of John Solomon's guys on the street. Well, we can pull him left. We can pull him left. Uh, I heard um, Rashida Talib on uh, Axios, I believe, HBO. Muslim Brotherhood. Someone asking her how many of these uh, cabinet positions should be filled with um, progressives. She says, well, I think every one of them should. So you'll have Bernie Sanders in charge of the finance committee. You'll have... Um, no, is, isn't he in charge of labor? He wants a labor job. Is that what it is? Secretary yep. of Labor, a guy who never had a job. Yeah, that's it. That's good. I think Elizabeth Warren, she wants the, uh, the finance committee, someone who wants to basically rage your 401ks. Good, good Trump idea. Trump can win this election awesome. right now if he announces that he will implement. Right now, he could win instantly. If he, like, he's, he says that there's got to be uh, term limits for everybody. He could win right this second if he, if he demands term limits. Name one person who doesn't want term limits. Um, I can name a bunch. Oh. They're all Democrats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a, um, I'm not sure that's a big uh, swing issue, to be honest with you, at this point, with some people, especially with the left. Yeah, no, I don't know. I disagree. I think, I think it's a big issue. I think everyone's sick of these lifelong politicians. Unless it's your politician. The people that elect Ed Markey think he's great. Yep. And that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the part we have to try and fight over. That guy is a loon. He, he, I swear. I they, hate that you're so right. They <laughs> dug him up and shoved him in front of the camera, and somehow his mouth was moving and words were coming out. Uh, cut 27, G. 
This is the worst, Ed Markey. Exactly, Rick. Oh, you got more? Thanks, oh, no. Damon. Now I see why Paul was so depressed. <laughs> Rob, yes. Rob, Not depressed, pissed off. <laughs> um, here's Ed Markey with his thoughts on um, originalism for judges oh. uh, following the Constitution. Roll that. Originalism is racist. Originalism is sexist. Originalism is homophobic. For originalists, like Judge Barrett, LGBT stands for let's go back in time. A time when you couldn't marry who you love. <laughs> when you couldn't so serve in the military if you were trans. A time when rights were not extended to gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, queer, questioning, or intersex individuals. Originalism, originalism is just a fancy word for discrimination. The activists, originalists, judges on the Supreme Court, and lawyers in its legal community are poised to repeal the Affordable Care Act, deny reproductive freedom, and repeal same-sex marriage. They will welcome a Judge Bar just, just they will welcome a Justice Barrett and a six-to-three conservative majority with open arms. Yes, six-to-three conservative majority. First of all, that's a, one of the more idiotic, uh, delusional, un-American um, uh, statements I've ever heard. And it's not six to three if you haven't seen the Chief Justice vote recently. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do on a Wednesday night on Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Social media, stay with us. We're back right after this. The American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. All right, live from Studio 6P on a Wednesday night. Glad you're in. We got a bunch of stories to get to, but let's talk about uh, Tony Bobolinsky from last night. And uh, here's how I'll put it. Um, if you think about this guy, if he was, let's say you're on a jury and he's a prosecution witness. That's the best way to think about this guy. Because as he clearly said, he's got the only dog in the fight he has. It's not about money. The guy's very well off. Uh, as a formal naval officer, served the country four years. His family has served the country. And he's here because he feels that he, his family name has been besmirched and smeared by Adam Schiff and others. So if you take him what you watched last night, and we can go around here if, everybody, if everybody's seen it, which I'm assuming you guys all did. If he was a prosecution witness and you're sitting on the jury and they put him up, you, uh, after he's done, do you say to yourself, well, okay. Do you say, oh, God, or do you say, holy cow, that guy is a devastating witness for the defense, right. and I'm in that category because oh, yeah. I watched that yeah. guy, and I'm telling you, credibility just oozed out of him, and um, I, I found him as credible as you could, and I try to look at it. Of course, I don't want Joe Biden to be president, and that's obvious, but I try to look at him through the lens of if, if, he, if I'm sitting on a jury, do I think he's credible? And I damn well sure do. Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, well, my BS meter didn't move once. 
I mean, his ability to recall every fact, his ability to just to stare straight into the camera or uh, tuck his eyes and just tell him exactly how the facts unfolded. To me, I didn't for a second think that he was uh, grinding an axe. Just yeah. to me, it just looked like a guy who said, these are the facts, this is what happened, here it is. Thank God uh, seven and a half million people saw it and uh, another couple million talking about it today, but the media has really squashed it. It's, it's shameful. Uh, Delgado, what'd you take? Um, you know what? Part of me is thinking he's there because he saw what happened to the other two guys. Talking about Devin Archer and the other Bevin, whatever his name is. Cooney. Cooney. Yeah, they're both sitting in jail. And he knows he was part of that group that was doing business with this guy, uh, with, with, the, with the Biden uh, crime family. And again, you, you know, you made mention of you know, his name is going to get besmirched once this all comes out. So it's like, you know what, I better, I better you know, protect myself, bring everything that I have. Because as you can see, Paul, you mentioned it. He's naming dates, places, who was there, who wasn't, what they talked about. And he's got the documentation to back it up. He's got the phones. He's got the emails. He's got whatever he needs at his disposal. So, I mean, if that doesn't, that, if that doesn't say, hey, star witness, I don't know what kind of case you're trying. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. When you think about the media, and what they even in apples and grapefruits, but not really. Think about Kavanaugh, and you think about the the the, one, the girl who came forward to testify. And the, she couldn't remember anything. She had nothing. She had I mean, nothing. And, and the she media had ran, crackpot crazy eyes the whole time. And the media ran with that story and gave and and, and remember with Avenatti and all these yeah. people who had nothing. Here's a guy who's got dates, who's got emails, who's got text messages, who's got audio recordings. <laughs> Nowhere to be found. Just think about how crazy this is. Like the Biden family has done so many crazy, creepy things. At some point, you know, at some point the media hasn't picked up on the brother who ran over the, the father of, of the woman with two daughters. And he avoids paying one penny of restitution when, you know, by hiding all his money. What kind of sick animal does that? 20 years doesn't pay one dollar to this poor man who, who gets killed by him running him over. Or the, or the Indian tribes over that Seneca... Uh, Rosemont Seneca robbed $63 million from the Native American Indians. The Native American Indians are like the ultimate, like, hot spot talking point shiny object for the left. I mean, for God's sakes, where is the left at least talking about the criminal activity robbing those people of $63 million in, in you know, in, in bonds? And in, 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 it's just beyond, it's just it's well, just well, beyond me. I, I, I'm, I'm so disgusted. Well, Paul, that's because they're, they're focused on the, on the football team thing. That was way more important. Oh, yeah, right. Let's change their name, but yeah. let's not protect the actual... Ah, forget it. Rick Emirati, did you watch it? I did. As soon as I went home, I rewatched the Tucker replay. It was excellent. And the guy's a patriot, first and foremost. You know what? He was very authentic, a lot of integrity, and I think he's going to be, I think he's going to definitely be a devastating witness. I totally believable. He had all his facts. I thought the way that they, you know, they, they laid it out and, you know, Tucker spoke with him in the hotel room. It was very relaxed. And uh, the guy came across very sincere, Big D. Very sincere. A lot of integrity. Well, I, you know, he said the thing that stuck with well, a lot of things stuck with me, but the thing he kept going to, and, it, and even towards the end, he, you know, he said uh, he's got protection, his family's protected. And he said, I think over time, um, I will fade away, kind of exit stage left from this story. And the story will either have legs because the American people will decide that they care about this. Uh, whether he's elected or not, if obviously if he is, there's a whole nother set of implications. I mean, 
Could you imagine a scenario where this guy gets elected? And I mean, depending on what happens with the house, what the house, I mean, he could immediately be looking <laughs> at getting impeached. Yeah. There's no doubt he's compromised. Right. There's no doubt at this point that he's smack dab in the middle of it. Rudy Giuliani will be on this show tomorrow night to further expand on this. But yeah. a lot of the questions on Monday that I would have asked Mayor Giuliani at this point have been answered. We know now that he's absolutely so. Ted Cruz saying, "I don't think, uh, I don't think it moves a vote." That still may be true, but there is no question anymore that the vice president is smack dab in the middle of this. And by the way, it started when he was still vice president, which is the most troubling part, and moved right through. Obviously, when he got out of office, right? And, and you know, you mentioned the uh, what do you call it? Getting getting impeached. Well, just run back what. A uh, few months ago, you know, who was getting impeached? President Trump. Based on what? Not an audio recording of something that he actually said that was wrong, but from secondhand, well, I heard this guy tell me this, and that's why, that's why Colonel Vindman is now our star witness. Really? And the news was all over this. He never even heard anything. He got it from a guy who heard it from a guy. It's like it's like he heard it from 26 flavors or whatever. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. From um, the Daily Caller, exclusive Senate committee successfully verifies all Bobolinsky materials reviewed to date. This is written by uh, Henry Rogers. The Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee has successfully verified all materials reviewed so far from Hunter Biden's ex-business partner, Tony Bobolinsky, the Daily Caller has learned. Committee Chairman Senator Ron Johnson will not call Bobolinsky to testify before the November 3rd elections as the committee is working to review all the information provided to the committee by Bobolinsky. The information has to be verified as it is subject to the same false information to Congress laws that verbal or written testimony does. Uh, however, a Johnson spokesperson told the Daily Caller that all the material provided by Bobolinsky that has been reviewed so far has turned out to be 100% legitimate. Bobolinsky, who said Tuesday he believes, quote, Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised in the interview he did, has turned over evidence to the FBI alleging he met twice in the past with the former vice president in regards to business with his son hunter the biden family has not yet disputed this information and i don't suspect they will one of the other parts last night that stuck with me is he kept saying people were saying why are you why how are you meeting with the vice president he kept saying i would turn around to them and say uh, more importantly why is he meeting with me <laughs> that's the more important question yeah i have no dog in this fight they're bringing me in for my expertise because certainly these other two don't have any expertise in the corporate structure uh, world. They're bringing me in. So why is he meeting with me more than why am I meeting with him? And of course, it was to sit there and sell him on the Biden legacy, the Biden name, and what that's going to mean for them to do business. So, man, I, I just thought if, you're, if, you were, if he was a prosecution witness, man, he's a slam dunk. The case is over. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do. Glad you're in on a Wednesday night. We're back right after this.
We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. Hi, live from Studio 6B, 30 minutes past the hour on a Wednesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Make sure you download the new Real America's Voice app. Not only on your phone or tablet, but on your Roku, Apple TV, um, Amazon Fire Stick, whatever you're watching it on. It's all been updated. All the new shows are there. Got great segments, great shows. You can watch all the shows in VOD, including live from Studio 6B. And uh, it's great. So make sure you download that. I, I saw a press release out today, Securing America, Frank Gaffney's new show that's on the network went out today. And that's great. I think that's five o'clock every day. Eric Greitens at six. And soon, very soon, seven o'clock, Dr. Gina Loudon with um, her primetime show at seven to eight leads right into us. So that's coming soon as well. So, um, Got to download the app and make sure you're uh, you're locked in on it every day, as I am here at the office pretty much the whole day. So I know I won't go through the whole thing because Paul makes fun of me that I know every show <laughs> what the hours are, but that's fine. Um, there'll well, be a quiz maybe on Friday. I only watch to see what names we can steal, like the water cooler. <laughs> no, you can't steal any names, Paul. Like Actionable intelligence. Is a good Actionable one. intelligence. With Eric. How good was Eric Greitens last night, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, he was cool, man. What a good guy. How good was John Solomon last night, by the way? Eh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. He's great. I'm only kidding. Uh, All right, let's do some news. Maybe we should name this this show Utter Indifference. (laughs) Just like, what do we call it? Non intelligence. (laughs) Utterly ridiculous sometimes. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's do some news with Mr. Uh, Paul Nolan. What's going on? (laughs) Meh. Um, All right, so the United States Marshal Service has recovered 45 missing children in Ohio and West Virginia. Uh, The Attorney General David Yost uh, said the effort, Operation Autumn Hope, is the largest anti-human trafficking effort in state history. Uh, More than 50 agencies were involved in the operation that resulted in the rescue of more than 100 human trafficking survivors. It led to 179 uh, arrests. And um, most of the arrests were made in Central Ohio Human Trafficking Task Force uh, in conjunction with the Office of the Ohio Ohio Attorney General. The U.S. Marshal Service uh, Office in southern West Virginia also recovered two children in Jackson County, one of whom was listed as a number one priority in the state of Ohio, according to the West um, Virginia Chief Deputy Ross uh, Mellinger. Uh, Just really happy. This is really good. Just another batch of these. In August, the service found 39 missing children in, in Georgia over a two-week period called Operation Not Forgotten. Um, the Marshal Service says it has recovered uh, missing children in 75% of the cases it has uh, in the past five years. The agency has recovered more than 2,000 children. So um, maybe those cute people aren't so crazy after all. There is maybe the concerted effort to save children. And uh, we, we played Tim Tebow, who's very uh, involved with this effort as well, so he's got to be happy with that. So not a good story. Yeah, maybe Maxwell's talking, someone said. Darren Robbins, good one. All right, what else is going on in the news, Paul? Uh, I thought this was kind of cool. Pentagon will award Texas A&M University $100 million to create an academic program committed to developing hypersonic weapons. Uh, The money will be distributed over the next five years. The Pentagon officials said the 
that establishing a university consortium of applied hypersonics is a top priority of theirs and a key step towards advancing research and innovation in the field of U.S. defense. A hypersonic weapon is capable of traveling five times the speed of sound. So if the government ever turns on us, make sure you all have your uh, your slingshots and <laughs> and, uh, and shotguns. Cause, uh, now, is that the same as Super Duper? No. Super no, duper no, is better. No, this is okay. and I, I think I remember Trump saying he, he was told seven times. So they go seven times faster. Seven times faster. So okay. they can make all the five times faster they want. They're still going to be two times faster, slower. Okay, if that makes sense. No, well, if you times it, it'll be thirty-five times faster. All right, what else is going on in the news? That's it. I'm done. Okay, uh, a couple things I want to get to. Um, That's it. I'm so done. Victor Davis Hanson, who we had on this show, who was absolutely brilliant, has a great piece out in National Review, and it's called Trump versus Biden: A Rundown. And I want to give you this: foreign policy, domestic policy, policy, character, transparency. Joe Biden so far has issued no substantive critique of Trump's foreign policy other than um, that Trump's comportment and unpredictability have offended allies and tarnished America's reputation. But who exactly, according to Biden, is offended? China, Russia, Iran, Turkey, and all those states that, uh, given their records, should be offended? Or are the aggrieved, the Arab world, Israel, Brazil, Poland, and India, angry at Trump's outreach to them all? Most likely, Biden believes that German-controlled Western Europe rightly loathes Trump. It certainly may. But Europe tends to be fond of charismatic, would-be intellectual presidents such as Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, who wax eloquently about cooperation rather than upping Western defenses in the manner of Ronald Reagan— and of Donald Trump. But more specifically, what exactly would Biden fault Trump and his record abroad? Would Biden seek a reset uh, with China? Would he stop efforts to force China to adhere to international trading accords or make China come clean about its role in the origins and spread of COVID-19? Which one? More specifically, might Joe Biden fault Trump for selling lethal weapons to Ukraine when previously he apparently thought that move was too provocative? Would Biden have foregone killing uh, Soleimani or Baghdadi, given his own prior advice not to go after Osama bin Laden? What exactly bothers Joe Biden about current foreign policy? Restoring close relations with Israel after the Obama administration absolutely crucified them? Would Biden move the U.S. Embassy back to Tel Aviv, restore American multi-million dollar aid to the the Palestinians, accept Bashar al-Assad's claim to the Golan Heights, or caution moderate Gulf states not to um, align with Israel? Which one? Biden might well drop sanctions against Iran and re-enter the Iran deal, but would he really think that outreach would prevent an Iranian bomb? Would a renewal of Obama administration cash transfers not again empower Hezbollah? Would Biden just accept that NATO members will never meet their financial obligations again? Which one? Or would he return to Obama's tactic, petulance and empty chiding of the alliance? Would Biden drop the Trump sanctions on Russia? Or quit jawboning against the Russian-German gas deal? Perhaps he abhors the Trump administration's uh, demolition of Russian mercenaries in Syria? 
Well, would he beef up an American 19-year presence in Afghanistan or insert ground troops into the Middle East? Perhaps he would end fossil fuel uh, use, but he wouldn't that soon end U.S. independence from Middle East uh, pressures? How exactly would Biden reassure China's neighbors, including Australia, Taiwan, Japan, and South Korea, that his administration would be far more likely to aid them if China were to bully them or worse? Or more specifically, under whose watch did China military fortify the islands? Uh, when exactly did North Korea develop intercontinental uh, ballistic nuclear warheads? Would Biden reopen America's southern border and allow foreign nationals their uh, old accustomed free access to the, enter the U.S. illegally? Would he perhaps stop the wall's construction or even dynamite it? soon to be completed 400 plus miles? Would he ask the Mexican president to withdraw the Mexican border troops that have radically curtailed illegal crossings? How many illegal aliens would be given blanket amnesty? Would he reinstate NAFTA and rid himself of the Trump substitute? The point is that for all of Biden's criticisms of Trump, dramatic recalibrations with China, NATO, Mexico, and the entire Middle East, he has not offered a substantial concrete plan of correction other than his boilerplate condemnation of Trump's temperament. Nor can Biden cite many past examples of his own strategic wisdom. When he left the vice presidency, Iran was funneling U.S. transferred cash to Hezbollah on a trajectory to get a bomb. Israel was isolated. The Arab states were confused about the idiotic American idea of Iranian Shiite crescent counterweight. Uh, Russian reset appeasement had gone far, full circle to paranoia about a Russian under every American bed. Managing decline was evidently envisioned as enriching China at America's expense in hopes that Limitless uh, would coax Beijing um, in its legal Communist Party institutions. And then he goes into domestic policy as well on fossil fuels. And Biden, would he have deplored Trump's deficit and called for a balanced budget? Uh, and he just goes through over and over and over the things, vetting of um, Supreme Court. It's too long for me to read the whole thing. But you get the point. For all of Biden's complaining, when you think about what this president has done and how effective he has been, foreign policy, domestic policy, energy independence, all the things he has tackled, uh, how he's tackled covid what can Biden, what is Biden doing? All he does is complain. Blame the deaths on the president. But he has offered no concrete plan for any of this. Let me give you just a little bit of the end of this. He said, if Trump's first four years were really failures, if Biden's remedies for alleged Trump shortcomings were detailed and convincing, and if Biden's past history and recent intrigues were proof of moral superiority over Trump, then there might be a case for his election. But in truth... Whereas the raw Trump uh, lost lots of money to enter politics, the glad-handed Bidens went into politics to make lots of money. When Trump promised to do something, he either kept his promise or fought with the media and the left to at least try to keep it. When Biden has promised something, he either never delivered or expected some sort of political or material benefit for keeping his word. Whereas we know nearly all bad and good that there is to know about Trump, the newcomer to politics, we are discovering after 47 years that we know very little about the lifelong insider that is Joe Biden. In the end, the supposedly illiberal and biased Trump has done more in four years, 
for minorities and the muscular classes than the self-proclaimed liberal Biden has ever attempted in five decades. In that context, Trump deserves another four years and Biden should do what he does best and return to his lucrative retirement and family business. Well said. Yeah, I mean, you just look at look at his uh, his time in office, especially the eight years as a vice president. And he was really good at the economy, the Biden family economy. That's about it. The only jobs he ever created, um, the only people hired for those jobs were last names were Biden. All right. So so anybody who thinks that this guy can do anything. You know, maybe maybe ma- wave a magic wand like Barack Obama said to get some jobs back is kidding themselves. He only cares about his family name, his legacy, and how much he can put in his pocket. He's the big guy, the chairman. And who wrote that? A lot of people are asking him. Well, that is uh, Victor Davis Hanson, who's been a guest oh, yeah. on this show, and I just linked to it on our Twitter account. So it's the first thing at the top of our Twitter. If you go to Twitter, at LFS6B, you'll see it. It's called Trump versus Biden. A rundown. I'll also put it on Facebook. It's on Twitter right now. And it's a fantastic read. And I left out the majority of the middle of it when he goes through domestic policy and other things. Um, and it really makes the case. And I thought the ending there was right on the money as well. So um, if you want to read that, go to our social media. It's there now. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night on America's Voice. A little more sports, some more news. We'll wrap it up. <clears throat> We're back right after this. American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. Live from Studio 6B on a Wednesday night. Let's, um, did we do all the crazy towns last night? I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I I just roll a G. Now, every time you say roll a G, people at home drink. <laughs> All right, let's do sports, Jim. and uh, we'll look through the crazy towns here and see if there's any we haven't done. What's going on, Rick? Okay, Big D. Well, the only live action tonight was the rescheduled NASCAR race down in Texas Speedway um, that culminated a little bit earlier with Kyle Busch winning. Um, however, there's a very interesting story that I picked up out of the New York Post earlier today. Uh, Maya de Blasio, everybody's favorite Maya here, uh, has, it will be deciding on the Mets sale within the next few days. Maya Bill de Blasio said he'll announce whether he plans to approve the Mets sale to hedge fund funder Stephen Cohen in the coming days after City lawyers complete a review of the deal. De Blasio, an avowed Boston Red Sox fan, has the right to weigh in on pending sale by the Wilpon family because the Mets stadium 
stadium, City Field, sits on public land. Um, the city law department is reviewing that transaction. They're doing their due diligence, his honor said Wednesday, uh, at a city hall priest bref- bref- briefing. And Paul, I hear you huffing and puffing because I know you're a lifelong Mets <laughs> fan. Um, and as I finish this up, I want to hear what you have to think, Paul. His honor's approval was widely expected to be a rubber stamp. But he was cagey about this, his, his intentions during a press briefing Monday. And an insider told the Post the holdup may be related to Blasio wanting to stick it to the billionaires. So, Paul, what's your take on that? I know with the bets you want to see this go through. <laughs> well, as a lifelong flea-ridden Met fan, um, this would only make all the sense in the world that the Blasio somehow or another puts his communist nose in it just as an effort to, like, impress all his communist friends to hurt the billionaires who employ all these people. And there's no doubt in my mind he'll find a way to make himself onto the front page of the paper just because he can. Man. So I'm just, it'll be perfect for every Met fan who's had to deal with the Wilpons who've been nothing short of awful for the last two decades. Yep. And um, the, Paul, Paul. the Paul and Rick show continues. <laughs> oh, I'm going to take one more quick story, Big D. Uh, Yard Barker, <laughs> one of my favorite publications, is reporting the 76ers are finalizing a deal with Daryl Morey to oversee basketball operations. The Philadelphia Sixers are reportedly in advanced talks with former Rockets general manager Daryl Morey to oversee the team's basketball operations, according to ESPN's Adrian, Adrian uh, Wojnarowski, our favorite guy. Uh, Maury spent 13 years in, with the Houston Rockets before mutually agreeing to part ways. I thought he was leaving to spend more time with his family and take a break from the NBA, but no, he had other plans to come back and uh, work with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, you'll, uh, most of you will remember that uh, Daryl Maury was involved with the um, Houston Rockets uh, back when they had the Hong Kong protests where he showed his support for the Hong Kong protests, which then caused the NBA to become the No Billionaire Association. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, he's a very well uh, represented, um, you know, GM. And we'll see how the Sixers do with that. And be interesting to see that he's still in the league and see where it goes. Um, But the NBA is also reported earlier today that they lost another $800 million in ticket sales. (laughs) So they're uh, they're really, really, uh, you know, hanging in the wind. (laughs) And that's my rap in sports for this. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Let's go to cut 30, G. So we found out today who Anonymous was. And if those of you who don't follow politics like some of us do there was this whole thing about anonymous wrote this big column that came out i believe in the times and a book coming out and it was all under the name anonymous well so miles taylor who was a pretty much a nobody of course the media made him out to be oh he works right under trump like you would think he was in the uh right just outside the oval office here he was at dhs and back when this first dropped, he went on with uh, CNN. Of course, he's a contributor now to CNN. Believe, I'm shocking. I know this is, is shocking. But he went on with Anderson <laughs> Cooper. Who could have who figured? Uh, he went on with Anderson Cooper at the time. And here's how that went. Cut 30. Roll it. Um, there was an op-ed. There was a book by someone uh, calling themselves Anonymous. Are, are you aware of who that is? Uh, I'm not. Look, and I, that was a, uh, a parlor game that happened in Washington, D.C. of a lot of folks trying to think of all right, stop it now. Uh, who that might. First of all, um, does this person look like someone who's going to be holding honey, some high level uh, position? But you notice the lower third, Miles Taylor, former senior DHS official under Trump. OK, if you went to the DHS Web page at the time and looked at about 70 names of all the top officials he's nowhere 
to be found because someone had a screenshot of it and posted it today. So I went back and looked at it. He's not anywhere close to anyone who under Trump. I mean, if you're saying under Trump, meaning like the kitchen staff also falls under Trump, then okay, I guess that's that makes <laughs> that makes sense. But this guy was nowhere near being under Trump. He's like so far beyond even ever talked to Trump. I don't think Trump's ever met him. I don't think he's ever talked to him. Uh, go ahead, G. I've got my own thoughts about who that might be, but, oh, yes. uh, you know, I you're want not, my focus you're not to be on the president, and I certainly don't want to. Uh, I, I wear a mask for two things, Anderson, uh, Halloweens and uh, pandemics. So, no. And for, obviously, apparently, for lying very well, as you were doing there. Because now today it comes out that he was anonymous. And it's pretty shocking because the media at the time that it came out, the New York Times uh, specifically, um, really amplified this anonymous person as, uh, you know, being, oh, this is somebody from the administration right under Trump. It could be Pence, you know. We heard it could be Pence. Oh, yeah. There, there were so <laughs> many theories. Could be Pence. I forgot about Remember how that many one. theories there were? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's somebody. He's, he's, he's there next to him every single day. Yeah. That Se- kind of that kind of access. We have a senior administration's official, or senior. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Who? The guy who makes his tea is that considered a, a senior administration's official? That's when you hear that <sighs> from a, from a news organization, you know it's baloney. A high-ranking uh, senior official has told us that right, no. but evidence on on a, a guy's laptop. It's right. not good enough. Yeah, that's how you know it's true. They're man. not talking about it. This is a guy with no access to the president whatsoever, ever, never. And, of course, he was – at least I'll give him credit on this. He was smart enough to know if his book came out and said Miles Taylor on it, it'd sell zero copies. But anonymous mm, – anonymous oh. hammering Trump. All the secrets from inside the White House. Well, he sold some books. Hey, uh, it's so freaking funny. Miles Taylor. No, that sells no books. That sells zero books. That publisher you owe money back to. There's no advance on Miles Taylor's you get name on nada. that. You nothing. Get nothing, sir. But there was the mainstream media at the time running with it, oh amplifying this guy. Was, they, they had Pence. Uh, leaving the Oval Office and then grabbing a pen. Oh, write this down. They, they had they had Pence being the person. Right. Did Damon get the on the net music. Someone just asked. You, you know what's interesting? I wonder if Twitter put something. Uh, you know, you know, kind of lock down the uh, lock down the the Twitter feed regarding this story because I mean, this is uh, you know, it, it, it's based on an anonymous source. There's, there's no evidence. You know, unlike the Hunter Biden laptop. Let's kill 2.30 and this end it. And what and a liar that, let's this guy bust is. Up, let's bust up all these giant monolithic media companies that own 90% of the outlets. Let's stop busting them up, too. Can't own more than, you can't own more than two outlets in any one, in any one city. Yeah, so just remember, for, for further stories, when you hear them say high-ranking government official or high-ranking White House official or anonymous White House official, it's probably somebody who's, uh, you know, clipping the shrubs outside or <laughs> making sure that the, the new turf went in and it looks good or whatever. It's not somebody that's anywhere near the president. So. Okay, Miles, you forgot to empty the trash bag near the toilet. Yeah. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, 
everybody here on the show. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Real America's Voice. Cheer up, Paul. Tomorrow will be a better day. Yes, tomorrow. As always, we thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. <laughs> we are up, David. Back to you in 22. Don't say it. <laughs> uh.